0: This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today, we continue with a series based on the 23rd Psalm called Living in the Goodness of God. In these lessons, you'll discover that God is good all the time, even in life's most difficult circumstances, and you'll experience the hope and favor that spring from God's divine goodness. In a few moments, we're going to tell you about a very special resource called the Living and the Goodness of God Guided Experience Book. This Bible study tool will help you fully trust the goodness of God and experience God's favor in every area of your life. Find out more by going to pastorrick.com or by texting the word daily to 800-600-5004 while you listen to today's message. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part one of a message called The God of My Valleys.
1: Today we continue in our series through Psalm 23 on living in the goodness of God. You pull out your message notes. You know, there's an old Arab proverb that says, all sunshine and no rain makes a desert. Life is a mixture of good times and bad times, ups and downs, highs and lows, mountains and valleys. And Today, I want us to look at the theme of the God of my valleys, the God of my valleys. Even in our darkest days, God says, I'm there, and I'm there with you. Now, we've been memorizing Psalm 23, and we're down to verse 4 now. So let's read it together, and uh, with great enthusiasm, you've probably got a lot of it memorized now. If you say a thee or a thou, because you memorize it in King James, that's perfectly fine. All right, let's stay together. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in the right path for his name's sake. And even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Very good class, you you all get an A and you all get a cookie. Now this phrase, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, there's actually a canyon in Israel called the valley of the shadow of death. I'm sure David had been through it many, many times. Some of these canyons were very narrow at the bottom and could be 800 feet tall. And so when you're looking up on either side, the only time you'd get the sun is actually at noonday. And so in the middle of the day, you could be in the bottom of this canyon and not see the sun because the the walls were so tall and the, the, the canyon was so narrow, the sun only shines when it's right overhead and it would be in shadows most of the day. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now that word valley got me to thinking this week about the God of my valleys. You know about 2,900 years ago, there was a king in Israel, his name was Ahab. And um, the Syrian army decided they were gonna depose Ahab and so the king of Syria lined up 32 nations to come against Israel. And they came against Israel and God miraculously gave Israel a victory uh, and soundly defeated uh, the, um, the king of Syria and his 32 um, allies, the kings of, of allies. Well, the following year, uh, the Syria decided they were going to try it again, and they were going to come back and try to take over um, Israel. But in reviewing the previous battle from a year earlier, all of the Syrian generals uh, came up with a different plan, and... Uh, Up here on the screen, here's what it says. 1 Kings tells us chapter 20. The Syrian military advisors went to their king and they explained, Israel's gods are the gods of the hills. And the last time we fought them, a year ago, when they lost, uh, we fought them in the hills. And that's why they defeated us. This was their rationale. But if we fight them in the valleys where they are weak, we will defeat them there. And so they changed plans, made a few other strategic things that instead of fighting the Israelites up in the hill country, we're going to fight them on flat ground where we can easily outnumber them. They're gods, protect them in the hills, but we'll, we'll beat them in, in the valleys. So they adjust their battle plan and they, they bring a huge army back to Israel. In fact, the Bible says this. The Syrian forces covered the whole countryside, but the Israelites looked like two little flocks of goats. This is a very imbalanced. Uh, there are maybe 100,000 uh, troops coming against Israel. Israel has at the most 7,000. So it, it's gonna be a slaughter. It's gonna be a slaughter. But that's not the end of the story. Uh, then uh, defeat looks inevitable, but God has something to say about this. In 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 28, it says this. Because the Syrians, God says this, because the Syrians think that I'm only the God of the hills, and not the God of the valleys, I'm gonna give you victory over this huge army so everyone will know that I am the Lord. Now I can summarize everything we're gonna look at today in this sentence. God is God, not just of your mountaintop experiences, he's the God of the valleys too. God says, I am the God of the valleys. I'm not just the God of the good times in your life. I'm not just the God of the happy times in your life. I'm not just the God when everything's going smooth. I'm the God of the valleys too. Now the valley in scripture literally means a valley, but is also a metaphor for difficult times. The Bible talks about the Valley of Troubles, that's Akor. The Bible talks about the Valley of Weeping. There's all kinds of metaphors. Valleys are a symbol of difficult times in your life in the Bible. And God says, I'm not just the God of the mountaintops, the peak experiences in your life. I am the God of the valleys in the times of darkness, the times of despair, the times of defeat, the times of discouragement. Because the truth is, most of your life, my life, are not lived on the mountaintops. When you're in a mountaintop experience, the, it's, the view is great, okay? Uh, they give you a great view, but mountain peaks are far and few. Most of the time, you live your life uh, in the valleys. you and know, I get to think about this today. I've spent most of my life geographically living in valleys. I was born in the Silicon Valley. I was born in San Jose, uh, and I, I grew up in the Silicon Valley, uh, and then uh, my dad moved our family to the Willamette Valley up in, in Oregon and we lived there. And then we moved from the Willamette uh, uh, Valley back to Mill Valley uh, where we lived in Mill Valley in Northern California. And from there we moved to a little tiny village in the Redwoods called Redwood Valley, 500 people in, the, in this little town. And I lived grew up in Redwood Valley and then for the last 37 years, I've been in the Saddleback Valley. <laughs> so I've been in a valley my entire life, when I think about it. Very few times have I actually been on the mountaintops. Now what I want us to do uh, this weekend, are three things. Look at what the Bible says about what we know about valleys, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. What do we know about valleys? And then, I want us to look at what kind of valleys to expect and then finally, I want us to look at what do you need to remember. I don't know what kind of valley you're going through right now. It may be a financial valley. You're going in a real tough spot. Maybe you're in a relational valley. Maybe you're going through a physical illness and a valley of, of disease or, uh, or sickness. Uh, whatever kind of valley you're going through, you're gonna need this message. So if ever you needed to take notes, it's this weekend. Okay, let's look at this. First, let's talk about what do we know about valleys? And the Bible tells us a lot, and of course experience tells us a lot. You might want to write these two or three things down. First, we know that valleys are a part of life, okay? They're a part of life. They're, in other words, they're, they're inevitable. They're a part of normal life. You can't avoid them. They're going to happen. You can count on them. Uh, you either just came out of a valley or you're in the middle one right now, or you're headed into another one. Because that's what life is all about. So don't be shocked, don't be surprised. You're going to go through valleys in your lifetime. You're not always on the mountaintop. Uh, the only question is not if you're going to go through a valley, it's just when. When. Uh, and you're going to experience disappointment in life. You're going to experience defeat. You're going to experience uh, distractions and disturbances and despair and, and depression. Uh, it, it's a normal part of life valleys are a part of life and god's plan for your life actually contains both hills and valleys they're part of the plan look at these scriptures deuteronomy eleven, eleven. the promised land god says to those who are going about to get it the promised land you're about to enter is a land of hills and valleys now what does this mean well metaphorically what it means is that even when you're in the center of god's will valleys are part of the plan you can be in the promised land, and it's not all mountaintop. When you go through the valleys of life, that's part of God's plan for your life. And the promised land includes hills and valleys. First Peter four twelve says this: Don't be surprised when you are tested by troubles or painful suffering, as if something unusual has happened to you. Don't be surprised. They are part of life. They are inevitable. All right, he says it's gonna happen. So you don't say, why me? You say, why not me? I, I, I'm alive. You have problems in your life, not because you're a bad human, you have problems in your life because you're a human. Even the, even the promised land has hills and valleys. Don't be surprised by troubles as if something unusual is happening to you. Second thing we know is that valleys happen to everybody. Valleys happen to everybody. There's no way you can avoid them. Uh, They're part of life, they're inevitable, but not only are they inevitable, they're impartial. Good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. Valleys are impartial. Psalm 34, verse 19 says this, the good man does not escape all troubles. He has them too. But the Lord helps him in each and every one. A lot of people think, oh, i got problems in my life, God's punishing me. No, no, God's not punishing me. This is just part of being part of the human race. You're, you're in, a, in a world that is broken and has fallen. So we, we have problems. Nobody's immune. Nobody's insulated from pain. Nobody is isolated from sorrow. Um, we all go through life with, with problems. Nobody sails through life problem-free. This is not news to you. Uh, bad things do happen in life. And being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, does not exempt you. Valleys are part of life, and valleys happen to everyone. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew five forty five, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Everybody goes through the exact same things uh, in life. Not only are, are, are valleys inevitable and impartial, number three, valleys are unpredictable. And that's part of what makes them a problem, is you can't predict them. Uh, you can't plan them. You can't time them. You, you, problems typically ch- catch you off guard. They come unexpectedly. Uh, in fact, your valleys and your problems come usually at the worst time, when, when you don't have time, when you're unprepared, when you're inconvenient. Wouldn't it be easier if you could schedule all your valleys in life? I'm caught up on my sleep. On my, my health is good. Nobody's bugging me. Okay, now I'll take a problem, Lord. It doesn't happen like that. They're inevitable, they're impartial, and they are unpredictable. Have you ever noticed how quickly (laughs) a good day can become a bad day? One phone call. One phone call. Disasters come quickly. Tragedy comes quickly. Accidents come quickly. None of us know what's going to happen this evening, much less tomorrow, or the next day, or the next day after that. In an instant, everything can change. You can have, a, somebody makes a decision, you had nothing to do with it, and all of a sudden, your life's thrown upside down. Somebody up in corporate made a decision. Proverbs 27, verse one says this. Don't ever brag about tomorrow, since you don't know what the day will bring forth. Okay, so problems are inevitable, uh, and valleys are impartial, and valleys are unpredictable. Now, I wanna go a little bit deeper before we look at the solution, and prepare you, even though they're unpredictable, there are some valleys, I can guarantee you, you're gonna go through in life. And they're all in scripture. The Bible is filled with significant valleys. And I I just picked three or four of them just to show you that if you study scripture, you're gonna be aware, and then you'll be prepared for the inevitable valleys that come into your life. Do you know what's gonna happen to you next year? No. But can you guess what will probably happen to you during your lifetime? Yes, because they're predictable uh, in the sense that we know what to expect. So let me just give you a couple of them. Let me give you four different significant valleys in Scripture. Number one is the Valley of Siddim. The Valley of Siddim. Now, the Valley of Siddim uh, is actually in Genesis chapter 14. And this is, if you like war stories, this is a tremendous chapter. Genesis 14, how many of you either saw the movie or read the book Lord of the Rings? Okay, you know that the big climactic battle is called the Battle of the Five Armies, right? Okay, It's a big big, epic battle, the Battle of the Five Armies. The battle in Genesis 14 is far bigger than that because it's the battle of nine armies. Nine armies coming against each other. And here, here's the story. There are four enemy nations outside of Palestine they are going to try to overtake. This is even before Israel has become a nation. Four enemies outside are going to try to take over five tribes inside. So it's five armies fighting for their life and their freedom against four armies coming from the outside who happen to be bigger. And the story goes like this. Look up here on the screen. Uh, then the four kings of Shinar, by the way, Shinar is now called Babylon. It wasn't called this back in those days. But uh, the king of Babylon, uh, the king of Elisar, Elam, and Golem, Goim, uh, these four kings went to war against the five kings of Sodom, you've heard of that one, Gomorrah, you've heard of that one, and three other cities. Now, the five kings joined forces in the Valley of Sidom. This is the first valley that I want you to understand. You're going to go through the Valleys of Sidom. The Valley of Siddam, which is now the Dead Sea. So it got wiped out. Remember, fire and brimstone came and wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah. It's now called the Dead Sea. Okay? The five kings joined forces there in the Valley of Siddam, which is now the Dead Sea. For 12 years they'd been oppressed by other kingdoms, so in the 13th year they rebelled. And then it says, but in the 14th year their oppressors recruited his allies to team up and reconquer the land. So they, after being oppressed for 12 years, said, we're not paying any more taxes, forget you guys. And so now, uh, the guys said, yeah, you are gonna pay taxes. And these four armies come against five armies. So the nine armies fought in the Valley of Sinim. Now, what happens here next is uh, why it's important to you. In verse 10, it says this. "Uh, Now this valley was full of sticky tar pits. And when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah tried to run away from the battle, they slipped and they fell and they got stuck in the pits. So the two kings of these cities are stuck in these tar pits. So the invaders plundered the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and they took everything they had and they also captured Abraham's nephew, Lot, who was living in Sodom. Now, I'm not going to go into this part of the story, but Abraham later goes back. He goes to war against these guys, uh, frees his nephew, and, and gets the cities all their, their loot back. But the point I want you to understand here is that it says they slipped and fell in the tar pits. In the tar pits. What are they, what are they talking about there? Well, there's kind of bitumen in, um, in the area, and they got stuck. Now, how do you end up in this kind of valley? This kind of valley, the valley of sin. Well, you do what these kings did. They ran away from something. And while they were running away, they slipped. And when they slipped, they fell. And when they fell, they got stuck. Has that process ever happened to you in life? Yes. When you run away from something, maybe a responsibility, and then you slip, and then you fall, and then you get stuck. And this valley is a slimy, dark, tar pit area where you stumble falls. I want you to write this down. Sidom is the valley of failure. You're gonna go through this in your life. You're gonna have failures in your life. You're gonna have failures where you, where you run from responsibility, where you try to get away from it. You, I don't know what it is. You slip, you fall, and you get stuck. You slip, you fall, and you get stuck. Question, what's your siddham today? What are you running from? And you know you need to face it, that conflict, that confrontation, What you're running from? And and, and what's, what's your dark, slimy tar pit? For some people it might be a bar. For some people it might be a nightclub. For some people, it might be a hotel room when they're traveling. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah weren't exactly family-friendly cities. They were known as sin cities. But I will tell you this. It doesn't matter where you've gotten stuck or how you've gotten stuck or what pit you're in, Jesus can get you out. He can get you out of that pit. And you may feel like, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted. I'm in I'm, I'm, you know, imprisoned, I I can't break free from this relationship, I can't break free from this addiction, I can't break free from this habit, and I am stuck. I've been running, I slipped, I fall, and now I'm stuck. You know, Siddham is the place in your life you'd like to forget. It's your public failure. Can you imagine how embarrassing it is to be a king, and you're secretly running from the battle, and while you're secretly running from the battle you get stuck and publicly everybody knows you're running from the battle and now you're stuck in a pit of tar and you can't get out that's embarrassing the Sidom, the valley of Sidom, is your place of greatest failure what's your Sidom? your Sidom, the valley of Sidom, is an embarrassment it's where you look foolish and everybody sees you fall and they're all laughing and they're all ridiculing That's one of the valleys you'll probably go through in life because we all fall on our face at some point.
0: This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. If you'd like to receive Rick's free daily devotional, go to PastorRick.com and sign up right now. You'll get hope and encouragement from Pastor Rick delivered right to your inbox every day. Rick will be back to close out our time today, but first, is God always good? What about during times of pain and suffering? Even during difficult times, God wants to comfort you. He wants you to rest in His promises. That's why Pastor Rick created the Living and the Goodness of God Guided Experience Bible Study Book. In this one-of-a-kind spiritual growth tool, you'll dig deep into Psalm 23. Here's Rick to tell you more.
1: Psalm 23 is one of the most popular passages in the Bible. In fact, you can probably recite some of it yourself or even all of it. But here's the problem. Psalm 23 is so well known, we often miss the depth of the message to us. You know, this psalm isn't just about trusting God to get you through dark days. It's about living in the abundant and eternal goodness of God on every day of your life. How God looks out for you, every single moment of your life. Now, to help you go deeper into Psalm 23, we've created a brand new resource called Living in the Goodness of God. It's a guided experience, and this Bible study tool will help you learn how to trust God's goodness in every single area of your life. Now, as you go through this study, we've designed it so that you practice meditating on God's word, and as you do that, I hope your focus will shift from your fears to the Father. And you'll learn that God wants to give you a life of confidence, even in your darkest moments. He wants to give you assurance, even when you feel alone. He wants to protect you. He wants you to have a life that is influential and abundant and uses the grace of God to reach other people for Christ. God wants to give you a life filled with generosity and with hope. All of that is in Psalm 23. Now, this book. Living in the goodness of God, a guided experience, is filled with biblical truths and practical lessons and application exercises and a lot of space for you to even write down your own response at what God is teaching you on that particular day. It's bound in a soft, leather-like material and includes beautiful artwork. It's a comprehensive study that I believe will help you grow spiritually this next year. I'd like to send you this study of Psalm 23, living in the goodness of God, when you give a gift to Daily Hope today. You know, I really appreciate all of your prayers, all of your support, and all of your financial gifts that help us keep this ministry on the air. Because of you, we're able to reach more and more people around the world with the hope of Jesus. Thanks a lot, and God bless you.
0: Just go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy of this amazing resource. Or you can just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's PastorRick.com or text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Thanks so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.